steal a Blitzen box in a uh, uh, full star. Uh, I made a mistake and I've just done that half, okay? So on that half um, of the cube and the Bible, you've probably got little slips of paper there. Uh, just not make them out. Could you please leave them? I know it's temptation, but just leave them. And you guys, I'll give you your slips later, okay? And they're down there. That's, that's the first part. Um, the second part is that to do this justice, And for longer, so you can stick this at 35 minutes. Um, and then the next matter I want to say is that this is a message for Christians. Um, nobody ever says to me, Where are you? Why were you at Old Trafford last week? Did I not score Manchester United? No one does that. And this is not a message for non Christians. This is a message for Christians. And if you're a non Christian, I want you to follow Jesus, and this stuff will get sorted afterwards. But this is a message for Christians. And furthermore, you ready for it? Never says the show before. It's quite explicit. It's just run with it, okay? There's nothing you want to do before. Uh, this, is what, this is what we're going to look at, okay? So we're going to do six things so you can just track how long the talk's going. But some will be quicker than others. So the first part is insectability. Uh, I'm going to start really quickly because, like Mark said on his depression talk last week, the theme is Mythbusters. So you can probably work out that I'm going to come back on that. So we can do that fairly quickly. Then, how far is too far? Then, three questions which I want you all to memorise, okay? And not just for the sex, but three things which you can ask yourself if you want to follow Jesus and his journey. Uh, fourth of the biggest tip I can give you, which, um, from my own life, what Paul talks about, this tip. And then, this one I really want to hold on to, which is forgiveness. We're going to talk a little bit about forgiveness. And that some of you join the talk, the last thing I want to happen is you stop believing, oh my goodness, all the mistakes I made, da 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 da. Can we remember that we follow, we serve, we worship a God who forgives? So can you bear that in mind? And I'll come back to later. So see if you're feeling about stuff, that is not my intention, okay? And we'll talk about that. And then right again, a little bit for men and women. So, we'll start. That's the introduction. Um, we are bombarded with sex. We are bombarded with it. We're in a sex crazed culture. Uh, I've come to the conclusion that if you watch a TV programme which has not got sex in it, either the act or a theme or a UNO or a joke, you must be watching TV movies. I think it's the only way you can probably avoid them. Um, I was watching earlier, I was watching earlier um, some adverts, I was on ITV. You're bombarded with it uh, in magazines, social media, music. Okay, so earlier the top ten uh, songs at the moment, I got five of them. I might be wrong. With some sort of section explicit thing within that, and then college, school, and everything else. So we live in a sex-saturated culture, but we also live in a sex-privatised culture. I'll explain what I mean by that. What I mean by that is that we have the idea that what I do in the bedroom is my business and no one else's. 
Don't judge as you judge. Each to their own. It's only sex. What's the big deal? As long as it's between consent and adults, what's the problem? And on top of all that, we think, because of all the culture, we think everyone's at it. Everyone's having sex all the time. We think that everyone has multiple sexual partners until they find someone who's as good at sex as they are, and then they marry them. We think that. And these thoughts infiltrate the church. So the gap between followers of Jesus and non-followers isn't as great as what you expect. Let's answer the first question then. So the first one is, is sex dirty? No. Okay? We follow, we serve the good God who gives good gifts. Sex is a gift from God, so sex is good. We might mess it up, but not way how God planned it. I've got the first twice we have to go to the other discussions. So you can spoil them, I'm just saying. Here's the first one, okay? I've got five things. And then in groups for me, you're not going to share or anything like that afterwards. But I've got five things. Are we in the Bible or not? Okay? Are we in the Bible or not? So you've got sex is meant to be good. Husbands and wives should sexually satisfy each other. Married people should have sex often. Sex is not just for having children. Sex is what truly makes you human. So, none of us in the Bible, one, two, three, four, five. You've got three minutes, okay? Quick discussion. Let's go through it. Um, the first one, um, sex is meant to be good. Yeah, that's in the Bible. Uh, you ready? I'm going to read that pretty explicit with this. Um, read the Bible and find this stuff. Here you go. Proverbs 5, 18 19. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Choose a loving dear, a graceful doe. Ready? Let her breasts satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. I have never done members with my roots. <laughs> <laughs> but it's saying that, and there is tons and tons of verses that sex men do. Here's the next one. Husbands and wives should satisfy each other. Here's what Paul writes in Corinthians. He says, the husband should fulfill yeah, his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife is authority over her body to her husband, and the husband is authority over his body to his wife. I was reading recently a secular, non-Christian historian who said that is absolutely radical comment 2,000 years ago, when sex was purely about satisfaction and pleasure for men, and nothing for women. An absolute radical comment 2,000 years ago by Paul. Here's the next one. Um, as a general rule, how advice? Well, people should have sex offers, as a general rule. Okay, 1 Corinthians 7, to Paul writes, don't deprive each other of sexual relations. Unless you both agree to restrain for a refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time, you need to have a crash. Afterwards, you should come together again. So it's saying what was tempting because you lack the self-control. Fourth one, it's not just for having children. Read some song and I have to go shout if you read this book of Song of Song, there's no way you can come across it it's just about having children. Sex is what makes you truly human? No. A massive big fat no to that. Jesus never had sex, nor did Jeremiah, nor did John the Baptist, nor did Elijah, nor did Paul probably. Or the sermon of the this time. We've got this idea in this culture, it's like a big pendulum on a clock. But we say you go here, we sex is casual, we can sleep around, and sex is nothing. And on the other side, I think sex is this amazing thing. 
contrast. So this pendulum switches between the two. The Bible says that marriage is good. The Bible says that sex is good. It also says singleness is good. It says celibacy is good, not having sex. Their precious gifts given according to the wisdom and time of God. But aren't relationships messy? Kind of difficult and tricky. I started following Jesus when I was nine years old, and my nine-year-old brain I knew what I was doing then. But when I had teenagers, I thought, what are the rules? What are the rules? I wasn't sure what they were, because the Bible didn't feel too clear to it on me. And I'd come power through trying to find answers to what I wanted, and I was struggling on it. The Italians, there's an explicit story, get ready for it. Um, I can tell my youth workers did. I'm not mocking them, but I got them to the best of here. This is what they did. So I remember really clearly in 16, and it was their sex people talk conversations. Okay? So we all went around to their house, and I was, I was such an immature 16 year old. I mean, all these guys are looking at me, I got like, thinking, it's like I'm such a bark. Still am something. And then we went, we went there, and they did, I think what they did in the 90s, they did the baseball talk. Does anyone mind my age know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Just in the players. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just step up and So what they did was, they did, they talked about baseball. You know, gay, randoms, red drums. And there were four bases. And then they said, we're going to tell you what each base is. You ready for it? It's very explicit. There we go. The first base, I remember it. The first base is like, you're holding hands. Kissing. They didn't say what sort of kissing. Maybe, maybe kissing. And then the second one, the second base was like you touch each other. The third one would be oral sex, usually smacking, masturbation. And the fourth one was complete sex. Okay? They had four bases. And then the youth would say, where do you think you can go on the bases, Christians? Ah, my dad was a minister, so I had to run down the floor now, and I was not going to say a word, so I was straight down. But we had some edgy Christians, and I agree, Christians. And they were like, oh no, three's fine, four's fine, four's definitely good, all this. And then the youth group would start panicking. And the youth group would stop, come back to this one, why are you come back here now? And then the whole thing would be fast. I'll come back to that in a minute, but why did this break anything back? You see, I came to the conclusion myself, I was myself, that actually, the Bible says that sex is for marriage. So that's the conclusion I came with. I'm going to show you a couple of verses at the time I come. And I have to show also. Here's Paul talking in 1 Corinthians. He goes, But because there's so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own and wife, and each woman should have his own husband. But right to Hebrews, who probably was before, they write, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. <coughs> God will surely judge people who are moral and those who commit adultery. I came to the conclusion that the most thing is casual sex. But sex isn't just a physical act. But it's way bigger now. And it's something that should take, take place in a framework where two people make a lifetime commitment to each other. But what about everything else? Sexual immorality. What's that about? Like? What about sexting or pornography? Is this a sin? Is that a sin? And I was trying to look all this out as a teenager when my hormones were all over the place. It was overwhelming sexual desires for other people. And I remember thinking, if only there was a way I'd get clean out, clean out, 
refine to this to do to don't. So how's that going to work? But what I think Rome is better than that is it gives us guidelines or filters or questions we can ask to navigate this minefield. So we don't make a grab and make mistakes, but we've got clarity. So there's three questions I want us all to memorize. And even though I'm doing this in the context of sex, this is great questions to ask yourself with everything in life if you're a follower of Jesus. Here's the first one. What pleases the Lord? Or what pleases God? This is what Ephesians 5 and 10 says. It's the first word of memorizing. Okay? It says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. You see, what I was doing was, I was thinking with basis, how far can I go and not displease God? How far can I go and not sin? Is it sin if I do this or that? Where is it? How can I go right up to the line? How close can I go? Completely wrong question. I should have been saying, what pleases God? A far better question. Is it filling with joy and pride? Imagine you said to me, what's, what, what's your big aim in your marriage? And I said, oh, not to annoy them. Hardly quite the one, but. Um, it's like it's at the end of the day, I said, whoa, I really cheated the husband today. I haven't wound up with them. You know, like, well, you're aiming fairly low, okay? That's fine. You're aiming fairly low. I don't think that goal should be how to avoid hurting God in itself. But rather to find out what pleases him. Not how far can I go when I'm faced without sinning, but how far can I go to please God? A completely different way to look at things. Find out what pleases God. Second one sounds really strange at first. Is it worship to God? Let's read okay, what Romans 12 says. It says, And so did brothers and sisters. I plead for you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. According to Paul, true of worship isn't the songs we sing as great as they are. It's what we do with our bodies. And not just sex. Are we loving God? Are we loving our neighbour? That is worship. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, Honour God with your body. So there's a question. Instead of thinking about basis, think, am what I'm doing, is it honouring God? Is it worship? And the third one, is it wise? Is it wise? This is what it says in Psalm 32. The Lord says, I will guide you on the best pathway for your life. I'll advise you and watch over your life. This is a particular question to write along. We get so hung up on right and wrong. For example, you decided that you're not going to have sex before you're married. And then you're in a relationship and boyfriend, girlfriend invites you around to their house at night and no one else is around. And you might, you know, the old school one, you're like, is it sin? Is it wrong? I can't tell you that. But I can't ask you this. Is that wise? And you can make your own decision on that. You decide to follow Jesus, you want to put Jesus first in your life for the rest of your life. Is it wise to be out of the I think that one's true. 
You've heard what happens at the party, where parties end up. Is it wise you're doing? Or you've read a few magazines before and just when you feel ugly. Is it wise to pick up one of those again? A far better question. Is it wise? In a minute, you'll do some more work. Okay? So as a teacher, I'd always say, pay attention to this bit of the genes, you can look really back for a minute, okay? So you do a little preamble, kind of an example, and then you can split in your groups and do an example, okay? So, in the passage just now, Paul talks about prostitution. And you're thinking, what on earth is that about? I'm not contented by prostitution. And probably most of us haven't. You know, best of us haven't, too. We think we live in a really sexually liberal country. Because we're comparing Britain to 1950s, or Britain's Victorian times. Corinth, in Paul and Lightning, in Greek city, they were way further down the line. You ready for it? Many of the church members, if not most, were having sex with prostitutes. Okay? That's where they were at, the church of Corinth. Yeah. Why is the person late for service? Well, they were the prostitutes. That's where they were at. Okay? And Paul, so it says, no way. Because their excuse was, what I do with my body is fine. Okay? Because what I want with my body is I want my soul to go worship God. And Paul said, no, 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 no. Your body's part of that. It's part of the deal. I'm absolutely convinced that if Paul was writing today to one of our citizens, he's writing to us, I'm absolutely convinced he would talk about pornography. I'm absolutely convinced. It's end end. So what I'm going to do is, I'm going to take pornography through those three questions. And then you guys have some scenarios for some of this like, you need to work through. Two years ago, the amount of NHS referrals for teenagers addicted to pornography was 1,400 people a year. Two years later, 4,600 cases. So over 100 a day. It's a couple of clicks away from me. The temptation I never had in my age. That's running through the guidelines. Does it please God? Does it worship to him? No. Come on. It objectifies women and men. Jesus warns us about being sexual thoughts about people who aren't a spouse. Is it wise? No. It's an addiction. You'll want more and more of a more explicit nature. You'll get the completely wrong idea of what sex is like in a loving relationship. It heightens negative feelings, it results in sexual dysfunction, performance, anxiety. There was a sex therapist on Women's Hour six days ago. This is her quote Pornography is having an enormous impact. We didn't deny it, he said it wasn't. You see, when God says don't, what he's saying is, don't hurt yourself. I'm on your side. But we stop at the don't hurt. We just stop that and go, what okay, good? But because God made you and me, he knows what's good for us and what's going to mess us up. So I've pulled out one through the pillars. And then you five examples that don't start yet. Because I want to get older guys to swerve in a second, not just you guys. So here's my ones which you guys, by you guys from teenagers, point, whatever, you guys can fill one of these. Okay? So the three questions is, does it please God? Does it, is it worship to God? Is it wise? I'm not saying right or wrong, I'm asking you to do those questions. So go around to the boyfriend and girlfriend's house, no one else is around. Watch the Bible, sexting, 
date somebody who knows how to marry flirt with lots of people. I don't want to write all the I want to work through those and use brain. Because when you're tasked in life and think about them, you're one of those But I just want to talk to the older people a second. You ready to write that? Let's talk to them a second. I had this crazy idea when I was your age. I thought, when I get married, sexual temptation is disappear into ether. It'd be gone. Okay? No. It's a sad fact, okay, that I know lots of amazing Christians who have gone on an absolute mess sexually. People who never thought of that. Now, if you're blessed with Christian parents, they will be praying for you. This is not a big visual, I'll say it really quickly. They're going to be praying for you about this mind of sex because they won't do it. Okay? Don't really, you're going to leave on that for too long. But they didn't sex. So the reason why they're praying like a match for their children is because they went through that 30 years ago. But you guys have got responsibility to pray for Christian parents as well. But they'll be pure. But they won't mess up when they thought everything was going to be fine. So, if you're married, this is now a smile. Here's a couple of years to think about. So I thought, put through filters, share thoughts with someone which I wouldn't share with my spouse. I'm not saying right wrong, put through filters. Another one, spend significant time with someone I'm physically attracted with my spouse. So, two, three minutes, pick the one which you think, yeah, I'm going to work through that one. You're not going to share anything else apart from the group. You've got two, three minutes. Where do 
clear. She just looks her in the eye and he says, Madam, if I am fortunate enough to get this job, I will keep you as far from that cliff as I possibly can. And he gets the job. The biggest tip which Paul gives and which I can give you from experience in my life, okay, the biggest tip is run from sexual sin or flee from it. Run from it. Don't see how close you can get. This is such an important point now. We mess up sexually not because of a lack of willpower. I've been praying for willpower. Give me willpower. We don't mess up sexually for lack of willpower. We mess up because we get too close to the opportunities. If you're a recovering alcoholic, the daftest place you can do, go to is a pub. Imagine you're, you're a recovering alcoholic and you go down to the old crank later and you're sat at the bar drinking lemonade. Wet sugar and bubbles. And everyone else around you is drinking beer and spirits and all that sort of stuff. And you're sitting there going, I need strong willpower. What, why are you in the pub? A recovering alcoholic who doesn't want to make the same mistakes won't go anywhere near the pub. They won't even walk past it. No, they'll stay away. Come on, be honest. Who on this side, I won't say anything, has turned the car in and have a look? Mark the vicar. <laughs> we'll do a sermon soon on saying the truth, okay?
Look at what John says. He says, if we confess, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all our wickedness. You repent, you turn away, God forgives you, and he remembers it no more. You don't need to keep going back to him with the same sexual sin time and time again to what people do. I honestly believe when we do this, God says, I don't know what you're talking about. He remembers it no more. Though there's a devil, there's an enemy who's a fire of lies. And he wants to mess up your Christian life by dredging up stuff you've done in the past. And we need to remember that thanks to Jesus Christ, we are pure and holy in God's sight. And so you might need prayer, not just not being forgiven by God, but just to forgive yourselves and realise that you're new creations in Him. If you're a it's not that scary, okay? Please stand up, that's all you're going to do if you're a I promise not to Good boy, good man, good boy, good boy. Do 
value someone who mixes up love and lust. You deserve better than someone who objectifies you, someone who rates you on the rules of popularity. Live in sexual immorality. Do not sell the second best.